Truth and Transcendence. Brought to you by Yes, You Now with Catherine Llewellyn. Truth and Transcendence, Episode 16 The Importance of Empathy for Other Perspectives I'm often asked, how do we help our people to deal with the demands of the time? How do we help our people to cope and deal with the demands of the time? So in the last episode, we talked about helping people to think for themselves, which is, of course, a really good thing to do at all times, but particularly in times where things are changing, everything's in flux, things are unpredictable. When people think for themselves, they can be much more creative and inventive and actually more resilient. But sometimes we can't go straight into helping people think for themselves because they have uh, because they're just not ready for that because they're in a, uh, a an under-resourced state a deplete a depleted state an exhausted state or a depressed state and that's very sadly the case for a lot of people at the moment so really this episode is about how do we have some empathy for where other people are right now how they're feeling, what they've been feeling, what their perspective is now. And we're not doing this in order to uh, try to be therapists or in order to uh, try to rescue people from unfortunate experiences. We're doing it because when we have an understanding of another human being's perspective, when we are in an empathetic connection with how they are, how they're feeling, what they've been through, we are much, much better informed and better prepared ourselves to then relate to that person in a way which could be more creative and helpful for them. And of course, when we're talking about dealing with our people, the benefit of that is also wider than just simply that interaction between the two of us. The benefits then go broadly into the organisation and your project and whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. So what kind of things have people been experiencing over this last couple of years and and some people still are experiencing? I'm going to talk through some of these uh, different experiences and some of them you may recognise you've experienced for yourself I would suggest that pretty much all of them you're likely to have witnessed in in other people at the very least, even if you haven't experienced them for yourself. Now, I'm personally a very reflective person, a self-reflective person. I think that's probably always been the case, but but my training as a practitioner and as a self-mastery coach has increased that tendency, if anything. So what that means, when I get ups and downs and blips and Uh, highs and lows in my experience, I tend to notice them quite vividly. So I can quite happily say that nearly everything that I've got that I'm going to talk about today is something I've noticed myself experiencing, even if only for a flash or an instant. So I can empathise with all of these experiences because I've experienced them for myself. 
but I've also witnessed them in other people. And I've noticed how each and every one of us, when we experience something, whether it's a feeling, a thought, an emotion, a sensation in our bodies, how we respond to that, how we interpret it, how we make sense of it, and how we deal with it varies from person to person. So really, in order to empathise with somebody, we can't simply read them from their overt behaviour necessarily. Because one person's behaviour in response to a particular experience may be completely different from somebody else's behaviour in response to a very similar experience. So it means we have to go a little bit further than that. So I'm not really going to go very much today into how to go further in that way. You know, you you know all about the fact that listening is important and paying attention and all of that sort of thing and, and that those are things that we can practice our whole lives and still have more to learn. But that's not what this episode is about. This episode is about some really going through an exploration of some of these experiences that have been going on for people over this past year and a half. And by the way, there's nothing on this list that doesn't happen to people in ordinary lives anyway. It's just this in this last period, it's been a highly condensed and highly intensified situation where a lot of these experiences have happened more consistently for more people than usual. So that's why they've been highlighted. So the first one is fear. And we all know there's been a lot of fear around, um, a lot of which has been generated by the media, which has barraged us with um, graphs and, well, not graphs, actually, but um, statistics about deaths and likely deaths and infection rates and so on and so forth. And if we don't do this, we don't do that. We're all going to die young and um or old <laughs> but, but it's going to be all over and um you know bless them we do know, the media make their money by having a story that people pay attention to and bad news and drama is much more compelling than good news and peace and quiet so it's absolutely inevitable that when there's a, a potentially difficult and dangerous situation that the media will make the most of it and yeah, that's what that has taken place. And um, government messages and communications have done the same. And so there has been a lot of fear engendered. Now, the, the interesting thing with fear is there's a significant difference between uh, fear in response to something that's invisible and fear in response to something that's visible. So someone running at you with a knife that is something that's visible and you have a, a jolt of fear and you deal with it. Now, once that person has gone away and been dealt with, you know that they've gone. So while you may still have flashes and flashbacks of that horrible experience, the, the nature of the fear in your body and in your heart and in your emotions is very different. And in fact, it starts to heal and it starts to melt away. But when you have fear of something that's invisible, for example, fear of terrorism or fear of um, drug abuse 
or fear of um, over-immigration. Some people are frightened that too many people are trying to get into their, into their country. Or in the case that we've had in the last couple of years, fear of a virus. Now, these are all invisible things that we can have fear of. Now, that kind of fear can actually stay in the body and in the emotions and kind of get into the bones of a person to the point where it almost becomes part of the makeup of that person. Now, that kind of fear is incredibly draining and it starts to literally colour the way the world looks and feels. So if you're aware of the fact that you have people in your organisation who may have been experiencing that kind of what people call low-grade fear, so it's not the kind of um, flash of fiery fear that you get when someone's running at you with a knife, it's it's a kind of a low-grade, consistent background fear, which is debilitating in a different way, in a medium and long-term way. So if you can empathise with that, sometimes that, that kind of fear is, is in itself invisible. Because, because it's at such a kind of low level, it's not visible necessarily in people's behaviour in, in the way that they speak. But it may well still be there in the background, colouring how they feel and just kind of diminishing their energy, diminishing their imagination, diminishing their motivation. Grief is another big one that people have been experiencing. Now, people die. We all have had someone or other who we know or who is in our circle or in our expanded circle who's passed away in the last couple of years. Whether or not it was anything to do with the virus, naturally we have grief around that. But in addition to that, in, in this last period, there's been grief around the... Uh, debilitating effect on our world of a lot of the restrictions that have taken place. So, for example, the people who spent far too much time on their own, the, the people who have been unable to spend time with their elderly, elderly relatives who are about to pass, those elderly people who have passed without being able to be with their loved ones, and many, many more examples where there's been a kind of a deep, despairing grief, which is to do with a lack of human connection. And as well, the grief that people have experienced when they've lost their businesses, they've lost their jobs. There are thousands of people now facing losing their jobs. And, and that kind of deep grief is, again, incredibly debilitating and makes it really difficult for somebody to kind of bounce back and be creative and be interested in anything much at all. So that if someone is in that kind of a state, whether it's fear or grief, if you move towards them trying to encourage them to think for themselves, they may just look at you jaded as if to say, I got nothing. I just got nothing left in me. I am dust. I just don't have the energy. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, oh, my God, do I have to listen to this? It's really depressing. Just bear in mind that this is just one episode when we're talking about these experiences. And, and uh, I am doing it in the context of helping inform ourselves about 
what we're dealing with when we're moving towards people to try to help them. These are what some of these people have been living with. You may have been living with some of these experiences. What about guilt? That's been a big one in this last couple of years. Guilt about, in this, all this talk of stopping the virus, how do I stop the virus? I can't stop the virus. What, what Am I doing something which makes it worse for other people? I've talked to so many people who've been experiencing guilt when actually they've done nothing wrong and it's not their fault and in any case they can't do anything to control the situation. And in many ways that makes the guilt worse because it's not something that you can do anything about. You can't, it's not, oh, I broke someone's window, great, I can get it fixed. It's another invisible-based experience. So all three of these, fear, grief and guilt, generate an energy drain and kind of a long-term distress. Now that in turn creates confusion and it can create a loss of identity, a feeling of loss of identity. Now, this takes place when, when distress is so extreme that in order to survive the distress, we start to disconnect. We start to um, smokescreen our experience. And then we start to kind of disengage from our sense of self. And that is very painful and very difficult and very exhausting and leads to apathy. So if you've got people dragging themselves around without much energy, and if it looks as if they're just, you know, flat, low energy, it could be a bit more complicated than that. They could have been experiencing fear, grief, guilt, leading to energy drain with a kind of a long-term, low-grade distress. This may have given rise to confusion and a feeling of loss of identity. Now, when we get into that apathy mode, we really don't have much energy at all. And that's when we can get into negative patterns, such as inflexibility. How many people have you spoken to who are absolutely wedded to a particular point of view? Everybody must be vaccinated. No, everybody must make their own choice about being vaccinated. No, the vaccine is dangerous. Nobody must be vaccinated. No, we shouldn't even be talking about this. It's a personal choice. All of these points of view. How many people have you spoken to who are really fixed on one point of view? Maybe one of those four, maybe something else. Have you yourself noticed an inflexibility in yourself, which might have surprised you? Maybe normally you're much more flexible. Maybe normally you're much more philosophical and able to play with different ideas and different perspectives. Obsessing. I mean, to be fair, it's, it would be hard not to obsess about the virus situation, given everything that's been in the media and the press. And, and, and in fact, you know, every supplier whose website I go on to, a banner flashes up about, about the virus. And I'm thinking to myself, I just want to order some chicken. I, I, I just want to look into getting an MOT for my car. I don't want to read your information about the virus. 
I just don't want to. But it's there. It's all over the place. And it's not surprising that a lot of people have become really obsessed with it. And that and all of these other things can lead to righteousness and defensiveness and anger and and overall a kind of a victim syndrome. And that victim syndrome is where we get into a mindset where we feel like we have no control. We have no control over our bodies, over our minds, over our feelings and emotions, over our circumstances and over our choices. Now, regardless of whether we do in reality have a control over any of those things, sometimes we can get into a mode where we feel like we don't have any control. And a lot of people are in that place at the moment. Now, when somebody is in that victim place, it's virtually impossible for them to even consider thinking for themselves. So you may now be thinking, you know, I thought my job as a leader was complicated, but now I really know how complicated it is. Yeah, it is. And really tuning in to how your people are and what they've been going through really is quite a challenge. But what I would say is just recognise everything I've mentioned. Is it not something that you have yourself experienced? If not in this last week or month or year or couple of years, at some point in your life, have you experienced it? And if you have, and you're not experiencing now, then you know it'll pass. You know it passes. But you'll also recall how it affected your perspective and your point of view and how it affected your inner resources and your energy and your strength and your resilience. So you can empathise with your people who may be experiencing something or may have experienced something that you last felt, I don't know, decades ago, but you can still empathise. And when you are in that place of empathising with it, without trying to go into therapy mode, without trying to take over and fix them, you can then go into a place where you have the space to hear other points of view. You can hear what they are now saying to you. And it's easy for you to understand what they're saying. And if they don't want to communicate, if they don't want to share how they are and what they've been experiencing, or if they don't want to say what they're thinking, you can empathise with that as well. And from that place, you can start to find ways to make them feel a bit more secure and safe to communicate. Or you can find them somebody else to talk to that will help them feel that way until they are actually have enough strength and confidence to talk to you. So empathy for suffering makes space for us to hear other points of view. And when we hear other points of view, we have the data we need for negotiation and for helping people and for bringing people with us. So if you're already putting a bit of extra care and attention into tuning into how your people are, then I think that's absolutely wonderful because that, that's good for them and it's good for you and it's good for your business. 
And if you're not doing that at the moment, you may be thinking, Catherine, I can't do any more. You know, I'm already doing so much. Do what you need to do so that you've got a bit of space to then give some space to tuning into your people. Give yourself what you need. Empathise with your own suffering. (laughs) Give yourself what you need so that you can then go and tune into what your people have been going through and what they're experiencing now. So it's a big topic. It's it's not one where I would expect anybody to uh, just master it or do it overnight. And I'm also very aware, I know sometimes in these episodes it might sound like uh, I don't realise who I'm talking to. Like I don't realise I'm talking to people who are really very mature and um, experienced and informed in all, all these topics. I really am aware of that and I do respect that and honour that. And really what I'm saying is I want to affirm what you're already doing and encourage you to keep doing it and adding other layers to it as you see fit. Because the more of us who are doing this, the better. Because we're all part of the solution. So thank you very much for listening. Please look at the notes that came with the podcast episode. There are various other sources of information you can go and have a look at. And there's also a link there that you can go to and actually send in requests for things you'd like me to talk about. Whether it's something I've already spoken about, that we've discussed together, that you'd you'd like me to go into in a bit more depth. Whether there's something where you think I've missed the point or I've actually omitted something very important that you'd like me to fill that gap. Or whether it's something where you have a live situation that you would like me to comment on and actually make some bridges and connections between the thing that you're working with and some of these themes that we've been talking about. Be assured I won't mention you or your organisation by name unless you specifically ask me to do so. So thank you for listening. Do have a look at the notes. Do send in requests and I will see you next week. You've been listening to Truth and Transcendence the regular weekly podcast from Yes, You Now with Catherine Llewellyn. For more information, head to yesyounow.today forward slash podcast.